Church, church. Worship team, if you could make your way to the stage, please. And those who are outside, could you come inside?
check, check, check. One, two, three. church if we can make our way back to our seats so we can step into the presence of God. Make our way back to our seats please. Church, how's everybody doing this morning? Whoa, 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 whoa. Good morning, New Hope Community Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Are we ready to be filled by our Father this morning? So if we can make our way back to our seats and if we can stand up and we can honor our Father as we get ready to worship Him and give Him our glory and our honor. So if we can all stand, please, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord, I thank you for this time together, Father. I thank you for this time together, Lord, as we get ready to gather and worship in your name, Father. Father, I ask that you allow us to come to the cross and come to you right now and empty ourselves of anything that's not of you, Lord. Father, I thank you for waking us all up today, Lord. I thank you for giving us the strength to get out of bed this morning, Father. Father, I thank you for, for just blessing us as a whole before we get ready to just step into your presence. Father, your word is light. Your word is strength. Your word is healing. So, Father, let us feel. Let us feel what you have for us today, Lord. Let these people in this church realize that it's only through you all things are possible. Only through you things can be changed, lives can be healed. Only through you that the situation in our lives can be changed. So Father, let us realize that. So Lord, I thank you. I thank you once again for just showing me and showing the church the love that you have gave for us for dying on that cross, Father. 
dying for our sins and giving us all a second chance. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Are we ready to worship our Father today?
Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Say like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy. 
sun comes up, the sun comes up.
with more
Father, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for just being here right now, Father, and changing lives and changing situations, Lord. Father, I thank you for showing up as you always do, Father. And I just ask that these people just empty themselves so they can receive what you have right now, Father. Allow them to clear and empty their tanks so they can receive everything that you have today, Lord. Father, I ask that you get ready to clear our minds as we get ready to hear your word and hear your message, Father. Allow us not to come full with our own answers, Lord, but ready to receive what you have for us, your answers. Father, as these teachers get ready to prepare to teach these kids this morning, Father, as that you give them the strength to teach and preach your word, knowing that some of these kids may be hard to deal with, Lord. Father, give these teachers the grace and the love to show these kids you, who you are, Lord. And allow these kids to see you through them. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Such just the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit here today. Lord, just... Fill those dry places in us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this day, Lord. Fill our cup, Lord, to overflow. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys may be seated. Praise God. 
you know, you, you go through all the kind of hustle and bustle and all the craziness of the week. You know, and sometimes you can get to that point where you're like tired and you're like, I'm not sleeping in. I'm just going to sleep in. I'm not going to go to church. I had a hard week. But how many know that that's what we need? You need the presence of the Holy Spirit. You need the drink from the well that never runs dry. Amen. And there's just something special and there's just something powerful when we come together with no pretenses, just coming together to just say, Lord, we just worship you because you are good. You've been good to us. That kind of, we're going to take today's offering. And there was a scripture that, that God put on my heart. And it's from the book of 1 Samuel. And just to give some quick background, very quick, because I don't want to belabor this, but, you know, David had... Uh, he had take a census to see how many men he had, to see how much stuff he had, to look at basically everything that, that he had conquered. And his strength was supposed to be in the Lord, that he was serving the Lord. But, but, but he kind of let this pride rise up that he wanted to see, you know, how many men do I have? What's my strength? What's my resources? And because of that, there was a plague that had... Uh, hit the land, and in order to stop the plague, it was required for him to make a sacrifice. And he, he comes to this uh, this man, and um, the, the man says, starting in verse 21, he says, Why has the Lord, the king, come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor from you, to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. Now Aaron said to David, let my lord the king take and offer up whatever seems good to him. Look, here are oxen for the burnt sacrifice and threshing implements and all the yokes and oxen for the wood. All these, O king, Arunah has given you. And, and he, he said, may the Lord your God accept you. But then the king said to Arunah, no, but I will surely buy from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord, my God, which cost me nothing. So David brought to the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. See, he had this thing where he wasn't going to make an offering that didn't cost him anything. He said, for me to make an offering for the Lord, it was going to be a sacrifice. And, you know, I could get up here and I could talk about how you know, through your giving, God's promises to, to bless you. But like, can we just give over the fact that Jesus died in our place for our sins? And just say, Lord, if you never did anything else for me, it would be enough. And yes, God is faithful. He is faithful to bless you in your giving. But like, why do we have to sit up here and always give just to get? Like, is that, do, are we missing the point sometimes in that? That if our motivation is just, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to give to get more, to give to get more, to give to get more. It's like we're missing why we give. We give because God gave. Because he gave his only begotten son. And to say, Lord, I'm going to take something from me and I'm going to give. And, and it's not going to be my leftovers. It's not going to be the last. It's not going to be, okay, if I paid everything else and then if I have some crumbs in my... No, I'm going to give my first and my best because you gave me your first and your best. 
Lord, thank you for all you've given us, Lord. May we never lose sight of that. May our motivations never move from that. Lord, may you keep focus, keep us focused on your goodness and your mercy. Lord, and we know that you'll take everything that's given and you'll multiply it in your kingdom for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As the guys go around and uh, take uh, the offering, I had a, just a couple quick announcements that I wanted to bring to your attention. The first is the, the Faith to Move Mountains Women's Bible Study. Um, that's starting this Tuesday. Um, it's going to be 6 to 8 p.m. Now, that's going to be off-site. So that's going to be at 2922 Dust Avenue, which is a daycare. It's just a little bit up the road um, on Dust Avenue. You know, you got to go that way, I guess. You know, if you turned out of here, go that way, um, and, and you'll come into it. But if you didn't get one of these, um, Val, Val was singing with worship. She got her hand right there. Um, just see her and, and, and check in with her. And, um, you know, if you're a woman, um, if you identify as a woman, I don't know, whatever. If you, if you want to go, go to the faith Bible study. It's going to be good. It's going to get you uh, build up and strengthen. This Wednesday also, uh, we have a longtime friend of the ministry. He's been coming here for years. Uh, Bobby Hogan's going to have one special service just on Wednesday night right here. Uh, I would encourage you guys to come. That's 7 o'clock. And if you've, ever, if you've ever been around him, he's just kind of like uh, encouragement, all bottled up. And, he just, and, and he's, just, uh, he's just been a good friend. And so I just encourage you, if you need to be built up and strengthened in your faith, that's a good, that's be a good time to come. So come on Wednesday, clear your schedule, come and celebrate with the people of God this Wednesday night. And also, um, before I get into my message today, I just want to recognize some really special people that are here today. And we talk a lot about how, you know, you know, this church kind of saved my life. And I know for a lot of uh, you guys, it saved your life as too. And it's kind of just been um, such a such a connection and, and such a family here. But you know, it was here because people gave and they sacrificed and they believed in what God was going to do, and, and, and it was like, you know, from one stage to another, people gave and people sacrificed, and, and God did amazing things and was faithful. So uh, Jim and Kathy Hibbard were actually the pastors prior to me coming up, and so um, Jim was the one who, um, you know, had invited me. I've told the story, you guys may have heard it, where he invited me over at his house and said, you know, me and my wife have been praying, and we're probably not going to be here for a long time, but our assignment is to raise up the next pastor, and we believe that you're going to be the next pastor. So if you don't like me as your pastor, then blame this guy. It's all their fault. And so we're gonna, I'm going to bring them up just so they can share very quickly. So could you guys give a round of applause for Pastor Jim and Kathy Hibbert? And I know you don't need a mic, but... We're going to give it to you anyway, and you got to keep it real close to your mouth, all right? Okay. All right. Kathy always says, well, I don't need a mic. And everybody's like, yes, you do. I you need a mic. Need a mic. Um, I just want to stop for just a moment and look. If you don't mind, just for a moment to look at your faces. Just to see the beauty and 
I want to take a picture, and I'm like, well, that's not very appropriate. I go smile, I'm going to take a picture. Maybe we will. <laughs> um, you know, things, things are sowed. When we sow things as a sacrifice, and we talked about that this morning, is um, they're hard, and we don't understand them. But when we're sowing something, it's for something greater and bigger. And this morning, I sat here, I just felt the Lord smile, like, see, you didn't understand, did you? And um, Jim and I came out, it was kind of a, our little story, I don't even think Sherry and Rick really know it, but except for the part where we're on the way back and out after we committed to coming and we heard, oh, um, by the way, there's no money to pay you anything or for food or anything, and, and we're in debt. And we're like, okay. So we had a church, we had planted a church in New Jersey, and when we got the call to come out here, we had a, and it was funny, because we had other calls that were closer. This was so far from our family, and, and yet the Lord said, here, I want you there. And we're like, okay. So we came out, and we're walking, Jim and I were, were driving, we're like, did we make the right decision? I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. I'm like, well, you know what? One thing I know is you commit. When you commit, you don't have to understand. You don't understand. And um, I said to Jim, okay, here we go. So we got here, and it, it was a hard time, but there was a handful, just a little handful of people that loved Jesus. Newly saved. They weren't great giants. They were just... And guess who was leading that handful of people? <laughs> we walked in, and we looked at the church. We're like, oh, my goodness. We're not... This is pretty broken down. So, but this... And Jerry, I remember looking at us, and, and, and there was a, um, the old baptismal over here. Did you, did you get baptized in there? Who did? Yes, yes. And we're looking at this broken down place, and it was pretty broken down. And Sherry brought us up to this little, little baptismal place over here. Um, and she says, my, no, my daughter was dedicated here. And um, there's, a, there's a story behind this. This is going to, something's going to good come out of this. And I said to Jim, like, Jim says, yeah, um, maybe we, it can burn down and we can build something, right? <laughs> yes. That's what we thought. We're like, well, you know, we're not used to big churches like this. And it didn't happen. And uh, praise God for that. So this morning while I was standing there, I just was like, God, you know, when you sow something and each of you have gone through stuff in your life and you, you don't see the purpose in it. You don't see the purpose. Like, why did it have to be so hard? But it was being sown in. It's being sown into something beautiful. I walked in this morning and there was probably, I met like five people and all five of these people gave me a testimony of God's goodness. You know what happened here when I came? This man, that man. I mean, different people like, you know what happened? I came here and found Jesus. And all of a sudden, I just sit here. I, I don't think we'll probably pass through this place again. We're getting old. He's, he's getting old. I'm not. No, we're both old. And, um, but I'll tell you, there's a, there's a blessing. And this is what I, I, I want to say really quickly is it's amazing. When the children of Israel came out of, um, when they came out of Egypt, they have had generations and generations and generations and generations of um, slavery. Just slavery and, and no blessing, no hope giving to the next generation. No blessing, no, no like 
you're going to be blessed, you're going to have this, you're going to have that, you know, blessing. And they were orphans, they really were. All of them had, had nothing to look forward to. And then God came. He rose up a man, took them out. And um, I'm always so interested because it said that in the first, like in two years, in the first day, uh, God starts calling the people together and like, okay, you're a people. They had no identity. Their identity were slaves. They had no identity. And he calls them forth and he says, um, God says, they have an identity. Put them in their, let them find their tribes. 12 tribes of Israel, the Levites, to, to minister. But it was so interesting. He said to Aaron, actually, Jesus, this amazes me. God said, my people need a blessing. They have not had a father's blessing. They have not had the father's blessing for generations. They don't understand it. So he said to Moses, Moses, I want you to get Aaron and his sons, and I want them to give them my blessing. And you all know that song. But I just think it's so amazing where he says, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his countenance fall upon you. And I just made my I don't know you at all. But God just told me while we're, while we're worshiping, he said, the curse has been broken. He took it. You're going to have a long life, and you're going to share the glory of God. And I just saw this picture of the beauty and like, don't even look back to what's happened in, in, in the past with, with generations. It's like a new generation. And I just wanted to share that, but um, it is, it's true, we're going forward. So our blessing was to come here and see what God is doing, to step back and go, God, man, it was sowed at the time kind of in sorrow. You know, you're sowing it, you're like, these people don't like us. That's what we felt like. These people don't like us. First of all, we're older, and we realize that they had gone through so much with, with older people, and they're looking at us like, yeah, you're going to fail us too, you know? And I was like, no, we, we, we want to love them. We want to be mothers and fathers. And then they grew into that. They started seeing who they were and with the giftings that God put them in. This guy we saw right away, and I won't say any more. Then we just like, okay, God, now we know we're here, <laughs> why we're here. And uh, Jim would just say, come along, walk with me. We walked through some pretty crazy stuff. We did, didn't we? So. Still are, but you guys just aren't here. <laughs> but we're just here to bless you and um, say his countenance is upon you. And the generations to come, can you see the generations to come, your children and their children? Oh, my. This is world is not hopeless. He's raising up generations. We see it wherever we go. We see God raising up a generation. There is such a crazy revival going on right now. You would not believe it. And of course, we're stuck in our, with, with the pain and the stuff we have to work through every day right here. You know. And I think we've been privileged. We've been able to like visit our sons and stuff like that. But to see and taste that God is good and that he's raising up a generation. He's raising up the next generations. And those are your kids. So now, you, how many fathers do we have here that have, have children? Anybody has any children? Okay. Well, fathers, I don't care how old your kids are, but you're pronouncing blessing on them, a father's blessing on them. And I think Jim will probably. <laughs> you didn't tell me what I was going to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. we've. 
we've been here a few times in the last 10 years, maybe a couple of times, and every time I come, I look at you guys, and there's a multiplication. Going back to what Kathy said about burning this place down, I actually was praying through this place early on when we came, and I said, Lord, I'm looking at this place, and it, it was, right now it's beautiful, but it was ugly, everything was falling down, I mean, it was ugly. If you've ever been in the building before these guys got it, uh, you know how beautiful it is now. But I prayed, Lord, can you burn this place down so that we can build something that we can use? And I, I just felt like the Lord said, nope, this is plaster and steel. It doesn't burn. And I said, well, then, and I, I'm being serious. How about a hurricane? It's plastic and steel, plaster and steel, it's not going to blow down. And as I sat here this morning and, and experienced the worship that came out of you to our Father, I realized there's fire and wind here. And it's not taking this place down. It's making us stronger. Don't look at the past. Don't live in the past. Jesus has delivered you from that. It's gone. Don't let it haunt you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Keep your eyes on Jesus. This is what I pray every day. Lord, I don't know what I'm going to be doing today, but you do. Help me to do it your way. That's a big thing, doing things his way. Not the ways of logic and reason. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to spiritual things, logic and reason don't work. Because God's logic and reason is far different than ours is. So we need to hear from him. Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? When we came here, the Lord supplied the money for us. And then the church began to, to be able to pay us. But when we came, there were maybe 20 people. And literally, Rick and Sherry were operating as the leaders because all the leaders had vacated. I think that they thought that they were, we were going we to die and they would come back and pick this church up. Not happening. This church is not going to die. This church is going to live and grow and grow and grow. And I know... Another time I was praying in the, in the building here and just walking around, I went downstairs, that enormous boiler down there. I'm going, God, what is that thing? I've never seen a boiler that big. And it didn't really work all that great. But now it's gone and we've got a good one. Amen? But at, as I was walking through the next time, I saw a vision of this building being full. This building with the, with the uh, chairs upstairs and so on will seat 800, over 800 people. This place will be filled with people that you know and that you've brought to the Lord and that you've discipled and you've brought them into the kingdom of God and by your life you've shown them how to live God's way, not the world's way. Amen? So I'm excited. I am very excited to see all of you. But if we get to come back, I'm excited to see every seat in this building filled. And Rick is going to have to preach two or three times a Sunday. 
<laughs> Come here, Rick. Come here, Sherry. These guys, we love these guys like our own children. And we are so glad that they answered the call. Um, when our supervisor sent us here, he said, see if there's somebody in the church that you could raise up as the pastor. We're nothing special. Um, but we saw Rick and Sherry, and we realized these are the guys. And when I said to Rick, you ever think about going into the pastor? He, goes, he laughed. He goes, no. One of the other pastors said that too. And I said to him something like, well, I think you should pray about it because I think the Lord has shown me that you guys are going to pastor this church next. And one day he comes to me and goes, what would I have to do? I said, well, just follow me. Just walk with me. And I invited him into everything that happened in this church, everything. If there was a problem with a person, I invited them. If there was a problem with finances, I threw it on them. No, I invited them. <laughs> but then he said to me, I don't know. I have a reputation in this town. People know what I was in the past. And I went, Rick, that's gone. The reputation you're giving people now is a reputation of God's presence. He, he told me two stories. I want to share these with you. He was delivering pizza for a little extra money. Um, and he came back one day and he says, you know, I was delivering a pizza and, and a lady stopped me and said, Rick, Rick, can you get a hold of my son? He needs help from someone like you. Years before that, she had told her son, you stay away from Thornhill because he's nothing but trouble. Well, another time, and, and I said to him, Rick, that's your reputation. God has given you a reputation for his kingdom in this place where you were a junkie before. Another time, he was up on the hill. He was, he was, he was a, a mailman up on the hill, and... You know, you go up there, you're taking your life in your hands. Well, Rick was fearless. He worked down on the north side. And um, there was a man who came out on his plate, on his porch, and something, he said something like this, Thornhill, you're a pastor, aren't you? And he goes, yeah. He goes, would you come in and pray for me? I need help. So, you know, I think that kind of encouraged Rick that God was calling. You need to pray for your pastor and his wife and his kids, and their grandkids, and then add your own children, your own parents, your own grandchildren, add them in. If you don't have grandchildren yet, pray for the ones that are coming. Amen. Yeah, I could go on, but Rick's got a word for us. Father, I thank you for these two faithful people. And I know that you look at them and you say, well done, good and faithful servants. But I say, your work's not done yet. Continue to be faithful. Continue to seek the Lord. Continue to keep your eyes on him. Continue the path and the journey you're on because he that has begun a good work in you and in this congregation is going to perform it until the day Christ comes back. Thank you, Lord. And I want to thank you, too, for your faithfulness. I want to thank you, too, for your love. And I want to thank you for the message God's put on your heart. Thank you guys so much.
So if um, we have one more thing of business to take care of, I've put Kathy in charge. This is black and gold Sunday. I guess I'm yellow and gold, but uh, black and gold Sunday. So I said, you've got to be in charge of it. You got to pick the best fan because I didn't feel it was fair for me to pick the best fan. So Kathy, if we could go ahead and do the reward here. $25 gift card to Mr. Jim's restaurant. Elizabeth. All right, congratulations. It was the hat. I mean, the hat was the ringer. So good job. Hey, if you have your Bibles, let's open them up. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. We're in a series on the Beatitudes that I've entitled The Pursuit of happiness. So it's not 517, it's 5 verse 7. 5 verse 7. So uh, might have got a little miscommunication with the booth. So, you know, there are these things called Bibles that you could actually open and find them for yourself. There might be a Bible around you, or I'm just going to read one verse. So if you just want to look at me awkwardly, that's okay too. Matthew 5 verse 7, it just simply says this. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. A couple years ago, um, I was coming out of the sheets that is under construction right down in Baden, and um, I, I pulled out, and there was a police car that was right in the lot, like in the, there's a car dealership, it was right in the lot there, and, you know, there was a time in my life where every time I saw like a, a cop, I would get paranoid, you know, and I'd think like, oh man, is he going to arrest me? I mean, thank the Lord that those days are gone, but, 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 I'm, but, but I'm driving by and all of a sudden he pulls like right behind me, I, I make a left, lights come on, and I pull over hoping that he's just going to kind of zing past me, but he doesn't. He pulls over and he comes up to the car, you know, the whole deal, license, registration, and he tells me that my registration is not renewed. It's not up to date. And really, it was just, it was just something I let go. I got the letter. I kind of threw it on the side. It gathered up dust. And I didn't think about it, and, you know. And today, I guess they kind of got these license plate readers. So he was just out there just hitting license plates, hitting mine. I get a ticket, uh, almost $200, by the way, for just forgetting to do... Uh, some paperwork, and, you know, it, it kind of came at a time where, you know, it's like taking a $200 hit would hurt, like I kind of, you know, was in a place in my life where I had more month than money left, and so a $200 ticket did not help anything, and, you know, and I'm just like, man, you know, it's just, you know, it just keeps piling on, and so I figured this was the kind of situation where I couldn't really plead guilty, I mean, you know, it was a certain date. I didn't pay my registration. I was driving without it. So I was guilty. I, I owed the fine. So I showed up at the magistrate and I walked in and I, you know, figured like, hey, I'm going to make some payment plans, right? I, like, how about $1 a year for the next 200 years? They didn't go for that one. I said, how about $2 a year for the next 100 years? But they didn't want that one either. But I, I said, you know, I, I need to make a payment plan because... I really, I just forgot to renew my registration. They pulled me over in Harmony Township, and 
you know, I, I've got to pay this fine. And as I'm doing that, there's somebody that kind of bumps into me. And it's this older guy, and I kind of turn around, and he's like, did you fix it? And I said, I said, if you're asking me if I paid the registration, I said, yeah, I did it right after he pulled me over. I said, I was hoping that I was going to prove the, the police officer wrong, but, you know, no luck. I did owe it. I said, but, yeah, right after, I, I literally did it on my phone and paid for my new registration. He was like, well, ask for a court hearing. And I'm like, who is this guy? And then he's walking out, and I look, and he has kind of like a little, like, messenger bag, and it has, like, um, you know, his identification that he was the local judge. And at that time, there was some transition with the magistrate, and they had different people. And then so the lady's like, well, do you want a court date? I'm like, yeah, if he told me to, let's do it. Not guilty, you know? And so so I walked in, and I and I walk in, and, like, the police officer's there, and there's all the people, I guess, in like one time that he was just, you know, just revenue generating, just giving people tickets, and uh, a lot of them, he would reduce their tickets, but like I was, he called me outside, and he's like, well, you're here for your registration. He's like, well, there's really nothing I can do about that. I was like, all right, well, I didn't really ask you to, and you know, I, so I went into the, the, the courtroom and, you know, told the same story. And the magistrate just looks down. He said, you know what? He said, I'm going to give you a break. He said, is that all right with you? To the officer. The officer was like, yeah. He's like, you know what? He's like, this is your break. He's like, it's the one break you're getting. I'm not giving you another one. He said, but, you know, since you fixed it and everything, this is your lucky day. He's like, shake the officer's hand. And I did, and I left. And I was pumped, you know, because I got mercy, right? I didn't get what I deserved. I was wrong. I owed the money. But the judge came in and the judge gave me mercy. See, that's what mercy is all about. Mercy is when you owe somebody, like, you're, like, like you're, you, you should get punishment, but instead you get favor. And listen, I, I was so happy that day to not pay a $200 fine, but man, there was a greater debt that I owed. I was on the fast track before I got saved. I was on the fast track to the lake of fire. Amen. And that wasn't just, in my life, I was a mess. Like, I drank sin like water. Like, not only did I sin, but, like, I was good at sin. Like, I, I thought that I, like, I wanted to be the best at it. Like, whatever it is, if it was drinking, I can drink more than you. If it was drugs, I can get higher than you. I can roll bigger joints than you. Like, I can do everything. Like, I was lost. And actually, I was on my way to being divorced. I was on my way to maybe being strung out, maybe being dead, maybe being in jail. Like that was, that was where my story was going. But guess what? Mercy rewrote my story. Amen. Mercy rewrote my story. And listen, that's why I praise so much. That's why I lift my hands. That's why I shout. That's why I run. That's why I don't give up because God gave me mercy. He cleared my debt. He cleared my slate. He baptized me in the Holy Ghost and fire. He gave me a new plan and a new purpose. And that was to take the mercy that I've shown you and show it to other people in the world. Because mercy is a game changer. When Glenn Burris was here, he said that mercy is going to be the key to 21st century evangelism because people don't know 
what to do when somebody else shows them mercy. And I remember when I was a kid, we would play a game of mercy. And you would play this game of mercy and you would try to wrist and you would try to turn the other person's wrist as hard as you could. See, you're not even trying. I thought you were good at it. But you would, you would twist their wrist up and, and you would twist their wrist up and then they would have to yell, mercy, mercy, because like they were about to break your wrist, you know. You get some people who were like really good at it, but you know, I didn't have to, God didn't have to get me in a wrist lock and almost break my wrist. All I had to do was just like blind Bartimaeus say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm broken. I know that I'm messed up. I know that, that I haven't done anything to you up at this point, Lord. But will you show me mercy? I know I'm a sinner, but I believe that you're my Savior. And I believe that you died in my place for my sins. And that changed the game for everything. Mercy rewrote my story. Could somebody say amen? And listen, when you start walking with Jesus... And, and you get close to Jesus and, and you allow that word to transform your mind and, and you start living right and, and you start living the way the Bible says and you start walking in faith and you start standing on the word and believing on the promises of God. I can tell you, your life will change. If you're unstable, your life will become stable. You'll become stable. He'll settle you. He'll establish you. He'll, he'll, he'll strengthen you. He'll put you on a solid rock, and he'll, and he'll change your life. But the only thing with that is after you've been walking with the Lord a really long time, it gets really easy to forget where you came from. Because, you know, after a while, you, you, can, you can look at the person who is on drugs, and they keep doing the same thing over and over again, and... You're like, what is wrong with that person? How stupid are they? But you forget the fact that you did the same stupid things when you were on drugs. And if it was not for your grace, then you could have been just like them in their situation. You can look at somebody who's so wrapped up in their sin and you're like, Lord, why are they, why are they doing this? Why are they acting so stupid? But you're, you're, you're getting mad at them because your, their sin is different than your sin. It's not that you don't have sin, it's just they sin differently than you, so you kind of stand in judgment about how can they do this, but you got this big thing wrong with you, kind of that whole thing where Jesus said, don't worry about the speck in their eye when you got a plank sitting in your eye. You look at the person who wronged you, and, and, and you're just like, man, I'm just, when I get that opportunity to get back at them, I'm just going to wait for that moment, and you forget the way that God forgave you. You forget. And today I want to remind you that Jesus said, blessed are the merciful. Why are they blessed? Because when you're merciful, then you will receive mercy. And I don't know about you, but I want to store as much mercy in my spiritual bank account as I can rack up because although I try hard, I know there's days where I fail and I fall short of the glory of God. I know there's days when I fail as a husband. I know that there's days when I fail, fall short as a pastor and I, and I want to do best but at the same time I need the mercy of God. I need God to have mercy on me and so because of that I better have mercy on other people. 
and I better give people grace, but maybe you're better off than me, and maybe you got it all together, and, and maybe that's the case, and maybe if that's the case that, that you're better than me and you're perfect, then maybe you don't need to give people mercy. But just remember that the Bible says that the way that you judge is the way that God will judge you. Jesus has this interesting story in Matthew 18, 21 that I'd, I'd like to get to today. And, and it brings us into a place to understand how serious Jesus is about this principle. If I have mercy on other people, then God and other people will have mercy on me. If you're there, say amen. It says, then Peter came to him, meaning Jesus, and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but 70 times seven. So what in the world does this mean? Jesus is teaching them on forgiveness. Jesus taught a lot of radical things. Like, we can look at Jesus' teaching and say that Jesus kind of turned the, the world upside down, but really he was turning the world right side up. But, but, but the things were, were radical. Pray for your enemies. Bless your enemies. Pray for those people who use you. Pray for those people who, who persecute you. And, 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 and in these teachings, Peter's like, surely there's got to be a limit to forgiveness. So how about I just forgive them seven times? Seven's the number of perfection. You know, seven times I'll forgive them the eighth time. And Jesus says 70 times seven, which I went to Ambridge High School, but I do know that 70 times seven is 490. And so I'm keeping track with some of you guys. And the 491st time, man. That's it. No, it, it was... It, it, was, it was a saying, it was a saying that would basically mean that, that, that your forgiveness, that your mercy should not run dry until the Lord calls you home. So Peter's like, look, how many times? Like, forever. Verse 23, it says, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants, and when he had begun to settle these accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, we, we don't get what, what a talent is. It was an ancient measure of money, and people were kind of all over the map. But, but, but just say that, that this was a huge amount of money. I, I've read everything from like 200 million to up to a billion dollars. Like, the point is, is this is a huge amount of money that this dude could never repay. And I don't know what he was doing with the money, but obviously there were some things that, that he was doing that, that wasn't good, and he had taken this exorbitant amount of money, and he owed it to his master, and there's absolutely no way possible that he could repay. There wouldn't even be enough money in the town for him to borrow it and get it back. And so, verse 25 says, he was not able to pay. And his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and his children and all he had and that a payment to be made. So at that time, if you owed somebody money, 
they had, not, they had the power to not only take everything you had, but literally take you and your family and put you into slavery, which would have lasted for generations. So this guy is going from, you know, probably living high off the hog, spending all his master's money, to going to the lowest class of human beings. Like you couldn't go to some goofy looking lawyers that you saw on TV and get them to file bankruptcy for you. Like you didn't have that option. Like if you owed, you were gonna pay it even if it was with your life. And by rights, that was the way the law was. He owed the money and, and he, therefore, he couldn't pay it. So guess what? Sell all your stuff, you, your wife, all your kids are gonna be slaves. So this man had one reason, one resort, one chance, appeal for mercy. That's all he could really do. Verse 26, the servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I'll pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. This dude's life was over, but mercy rewrote his story wiped his slate clean, but, but look at how he handles it. Verse 28, but that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, again, this is an ancient form of money. It's not chump change, but it's not a lot of money, like between five and probably $8,000. So a decent chunk of money, but you know, not anything that was nowhere near what he was forgiven. And so what he does is he gets off the hook for owing all this money, but then he goes and finds somebody else who owes him money, and he handles it much differently. It says that he laid hands on him, and it wasn't to impart blessing. It wasn't for healing. In Jesus' name, he laid hands on him, took him by the throat, UFC style, and said, pay me what you owe. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, say, have patience with me and I'll pay you all. It says that he would not, but he went through him into prison until he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servant saw what he had done, they were grieved and came and told their master all had been done. Then his master, after he called to him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. And I want you to pay attention to what he says right here. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and he delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. Now Jesus is going to sum it up and drop the bomb in verse 35. My heavenly Father will also do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. You know, and, and I've read that and I'm like, okay, so is Jesus saying right here that like if I refuse to forgive people, if I hold on to bitterness, if I, if I treat people like that, like that I am not going to make it into heaven? And it's a hard question because he repeated it so much. I mean, if we just look in the Sermon on the Mount, right, the Lord's Prayer. 
Lord, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And then in chapter 7, it says that, you know, do not judge or, or you too will be judged. And in the same way you judge other people, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So, so I don't know where all this plays out as far as our, our salvation, but I think the best thing we can do is just take Jesus at his word and understand that if we are followers of Jesus, we are called to be a merciful people. And, and we do that by a couple ways. Number one, you always got to remember how much you've been forgiven. And, and if you didn't understand the, the story and what it was getting at, the, the man owned the master and incredible debt that he could never pay. And it's a picture of the debt that we owed to God, that you and I owed, and, and it's because of our sin that, that all of us have sinned, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, and there's no way that we could ever pay it back. There's no way that we could make it right outside of God's grace. You can't earn it, you can't work for it. The only play that we have is to depend on the mercy and the grace of God. You look at a guy like Joseph in the Old Testament who was uh, sold into slavery by his brothers. He told, they, they told his dad that he was murdered because they didn't like the fact that he was the father's favorite. And then he ends up um, being sold as a slave and then he's faithful to God and he gets raised up and he ends up in a wealthy man's home and the wealthy man puts him in control of everything but then the wealthy man's wife accuses him of, of trying to rape her and so by no fault of his own now he's kicked down into prison now he's in the prison and now he's just sitting in there and then through a miraculous turn of events because he can interpret dreams he's pulled out of prison but but this all occurred over a lot of years and there was a whole lot of suffering that was caused by his brothers and you got, most of you guys know the story. He was raised up to be second in charge of all of Egypt. And one day there was a famine in the land and that forced his family to actually come to Egypt to try to get food. And many years had passed and they didn't realize that it was their brother. And they were convinced once they found out that it was their brother, now that he had power enough to kill them, that he was going to kill them all once their dad was gone. But then he just told them, he said, I'm not in the place of God. What you've done was evil, but God worked it for the good. Can I tell you something? Sometimes there's times in your life where people have done stuff to you and people have hurt you and it hurt, but I can tell you that God will use it for the good. God can even use evil people in your life and use them to bring you into your destiny. Joseph had, had mercy. And listen, because we have been shown mercy, unlike the man in the story, we need to show mercy. Don't be like the man who forgets that he's been forgiven a, a great debt that you in turn try to judge and collect from everyone around you. Mercy flows out because it first flowed in. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
while you were at your worst. Not when you nailed it. Not when you had your devotions and you had your hour of quiet time and you were fasting once a week. Like, not when you were great, but when you were at your worst, Jesus saw you in your sin and he died for you. That's mercy. And because mercy flowed in, mercy should flow out. And the other thing, to be a merciful people is to walk in someone else's shoes. And, and, and as with many of the Beatitudes, that word mercy, the, the word in English kind of doesn't grab hold of it the full way that, that we understand it. In the original language, it, it, it means so much more. It's not just about taking pity on someone, but to literally get inside someone until you think what they think, you hear what they hear, you experience what they experience, you feel what they have felt. And this obviously takes a great deal of effort. It takes a lot more effort to actually come alongside somebody and try to understand them. To go along someone who's struggling in addiction, who's struggling in one way or the other. I mean, you, you go ahead and name it and not to just point a finger, but to actually come alongside and say, like, what, what happened? What's your story? What's your dream? That, that's really what, what the, this, this merciful thing is all about. Like, if you see a girl that's, like, out prostituting her, herself, you, you sit there and you're like, well, how could they do that? But maybe you don't know that growing up she had a stepdad that molested her and raped her when she was growing up and all the pain and every, all the brokenness she carried brought her to that point. But, but you'll never know that unless you're willing to, to walk in her shoes. You see the guy walking down the street screaming and, and talking to himself and, and you don't realize that that guy was in Vietnam at one time and he saw his whole platoon get blown up and he's never been able to handle life since then. But instead, you just see a crazy person standing on the street. Are you willing to, to come alongside people and, and, and understand why they are like they are? Don't always assume that you know someone's story or, or why they're doing what they're doing. And sometimes mercy looks like me just sitting down with somebody just talking to them and just listening and getting to know them. And as we find ourselves beginning to empathize with people in that way, that you can walk in someone's shoes, that you remember the mercy that's given to you and, and how you've been forgiven, then that makes the change where you actually look for opportunities where you can grant mercy. And when someone else has the need, you have the opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus in somebody's life. To be merciful. I remember we went to L.A. for that missions trip to, to minister alongside the Dream Center, walking along homeless people. And the first time I did, man, it was, it was shocking. The, the amount of homeless people, the smells, the sights, to see people in, in, in that condition and and we walked around and we gave people water and even bandaged people's wounds and and things like that and the people didn't deserve it 
they obviously made some poor choices. They decided at some point to, to start doing drugs and to, you know, get into the street life and to do all that. But that was somebody's son. That was somebody's brother. You don't know what they came through. And sometimes we would just sit there and they would just tell me the story and the things that they, they've been through. And yes, they could come out of it, right? And, you know, no one's too far gone for God. But it makes you understand. It makes you understand why, 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 they're, why they're doing it. Like, we're going to open up Hope's Haven, like, God willing, you know, by the end of the year, we'll, we'll have it open. And that's a maternity home for people who are, and you know what? Some of the people who are going to come in there, they, they don't really deserve somebody to come alongside them and give them housing and feed them and help give them counseling. I mean, obviously they made a lot of bad decisions to get them to that point. But mercy. Mercy says, I'm going to come alongside you, and even though you don't deserve it, I'm going to come alongside you, and I'm going to show you that there is a more excellent way. And I'm not going to allow you, because I know what God pulled me out of, and I'm going to help get you out of this the best I can, because mercy rewrote my story, and I know that he can rewrite yours as well. And listen, when you show mercy, it makes you like your father in heaven. It makes you like God. If I could have every head bowed and every eye closed, worship team, if you want to make your way up. Mercy rewrote my story and can rewrite yours too. And maybe you're here today and, and you've never fully surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you think that you got to change some things. You got to get cleaned up. You got to do some other stuff. Let me tell you something. It doesn't work like that. You come in front of him and you say, Lord, give me mercy. And guess what the cross says? The cross says, yes, I will give you mercy. Yes, I died for you. I paid for your sins. So if that's you today, you've never given your life to Jesus. I, I don't want to assume that everyone in here is a Christian. If that's you today, and for the first time you want to give your life to Jesus, I just want you to stick a hand up and say, today I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. Anybody here today? Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? All right. Could we all stand to our feet, please? No. you look at the evil in the world, you look at all the things that are falling apart, you know, there was never the intention for the government to fix it. There was never the intention to find someone else to fix it. It wasn't for the schools to fix it. God gave his church and said, I've shown you mercy. I've given you my Holy Spirit. Now go out to the highways and byways, find those that are lost, find those who are broken, and with the same mercy that's been extended to you, extended to other people. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for everything that you've done in our lives, in this church, 
I thank you for the miracle testimonies, Lord, and I thank you that you are continuing, that you are continuing to write new stories. When, 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 a, when a page is turned and, and you read the beginning of somebody's life and it reads like a book and, and you think that you turn the next page and it's going to say, you know what, that person died, an addict, that person, that, that, that person went to jail for the rest of their life, that person went in broken marriage after broken marriage after broken marriage. that you rewrote our story, that it had a surprise ending that no one else saw coming, Lord. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you that this is a place where lives are changed, Lord. And we thank you that you are going to continue to change people's lives, Lord. And Lord, now I, I just pray a blessing on each and every person in here. Lord, I pray that you would just bless them and keep that you would shine your light upon them and be gracious to them and give them peace. Lord, I send them out with the power to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all powers of the enemy. Lord, and I thank you that everyone in here is more than a conqueror. And as they go out, there's no situation that is too big for you to conquer. And I thank you, Lord, for... I thank you, Lord, that our greatest days are ahead of us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a round of applause? Amen. They're going to queue up some worship. This service is dismissed. If you need prayer for any reason, you can make your way to the front. If you want to stand and stay in praise, you can stay as long as you want. God bless you. I love you. There's no weapon formed against me shall prosper, Lord. Here you were, here you were, here you were. In Jesus, we want more of you. We want to be changed by you, by you, Lord. We want to be changed. We want to be made new, we want to be made whole. Father, bring your love down. Father, bring your healing down. We want more, we want more, we want more. Hallelujah. Mercy reigns, your mercy reigns. We want more, we want more, we want more. Set us on fire. Set us on fire. Set us on fire. Set us on fire. In Jesus. How lovely is your dwelling place. Oh, Lord, oh, my.
cry out.